my guest today on the Pocket Mastermind podcast uh, is Karen Stephen, who has uh, made the transformation, the jump from corporate life to uh, freelance digital nomad and going to tell us all about that. So welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast, Karen. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here and look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your your transition. Obviously, you and I worked together quite a few years ago now, uh, yeah. back in the in the great corporate world, and you escaped long <laughs> before I did. <laughs> so uh, I'm fairly envious of that. And I think you know, with the the current situation where uh, there's a risk of greater unemployment and and, all, and and everyone working from home now, I think the subject of remote working and freelancing mm-hmm. and you know, being a digital nomad has become more, more prevalent. And I think there's more people considering that. So it's good to get your experience of what that transition was really, what it's been like and what, what led you to that? Oh, multiple, multiple factors led me to um, make the leap, but just um, the easiest thing, just it, um, the idea of remote working and digital nomadism came into my vicinity through uh like some individuals in my life came in and talked to me about um, the possibility that I hadn't really been aware of. And I think that what's interesting now is there's a lot of people becoming more aware of it just because of the way the world has changed. Um, Like for me, it was, I took a career break to um, get away. Like I just immediately jumped out of the corporate world um, for six months and called it a career break. And during that career break, I was in Bali and I met so many digital nomads and realized that it was a legitimate thing. And it wasn't just written about in books. It wasn't just captured in the four hour work week. Mm -hmm. It was a real life thing that people were doing in so many different ways. And that that made me want to continue like working down that path and figuring it out. And I wasn't smart enough to figure it out during my six month career break. So I went back (laughs) to London (laughs) to save up some money. To do it. It seems yeah. to be that um, Bali is a bit of a hub for people pursuing that way of life for some reason. Yeah, I I find, or when I was there, I found that anyone that I met in Bali was either getting over a heartbreak or um, like trying to figure out what they wanted to do with their mm-hmm. career. Um, it is one of those types of places. It might be because of the book Eat, Pray, Love, or it might just be because of the the nature and the energy of the place. Like mm-hmm. I think it's one of those magical places in the world where there's there's just a really great energy to the place and the and the land and the people. And it is a very good place to do a lot of yoga, do a lot of meditation, chill out, and try and get back in touch with yourself to figure out where you want to go next. So I understand why people go there. It helped me. I had a great time. Yeah, and I think also, you know, one of the things we'll probably come on to is is cost of living as well while you're doing this. Mm-hmm. If you're you're effectively traveling around and getting paid in dollars or pounds or euros or whatever, but living in somewhere like Bali, you've got the 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 currency exchange benefit, and so you can live in paradise for a lower cost, but. What, what so what did you do during that first six months when you were on your career break that never really uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well the reason what you funny that you mentioned the exchange rate and stuff the reason that I didn't make it work in those six months is because I ended up spending a lot of time in Australia but that was mainly because my boyfriend at the time was working in Australia so that is why I didn't really make make it work because Mm -hmm. I started in one of the most expensive places in the world. Um, And so during those six months, I really just traveled. I did, we did a bit of Europe. Then we did Australia for a bit and I visited friends. And um, then I did Bali for a month. I did mainly, I did a lot of yoga Mm -hmm. um, and like fell in love with yoga again and started thinking about different areas like blogs and all these different things that I could look into, but it was really just a, it was six months of research, six months of traveling, six months of switching off from everything that I'd known to be true, Mm. like, and everything that I'd come to believe um, was my path because I was sort of 
in the corporate world thinking that I just needed to climb the career path and just earn more money. And that six months where I took off, I started to read books about remote working. I started to meet people that were remote workers, digital nomads, and really began to understand that there was so much more out there. Um, and also realized how much I loved yoga and wanted to get more involved in that. And I'd stepped away from that because corporate life had gotten in the way. So it was really, for me, it was six months of getting back in touch with what actually I liked and enjoyed doing <laughs> rather than what I needed to do to make money and live in London. It's yeah. pretty hard to have the time to think about what you want to do on a day when you're on the hamster wheel every day, right? It's good every, round, yeah. round and round. And like you say, you do kind of get blinkered into what's the next step, next step, next step, rather than what do I actually want? And, you know, you're lucky that you were able to take a, a longer break, but I think anybody else who isn't in that position yet, it's still worth, you can still get to that point by consciously taking breaks to give a, give a thought about what you want to spend your life doing. Yeah. Like I could have easily, I could have easily stayed where I was and still done this work in terms of looking into and researching because it was all done in it. I had more time to do it while mm. I was traveling, but I also spent a lot of time just lying on the beach and relaxing <laughs> <laughs> because I'd, I'd been working some really long days in corporate and I can like, I can completely understand or I did have my blinkers on and I sat in meetings where people said to me like, this is what you need to do to get promoted. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I want that, mm. but not really understanding like the options that were around or not really thinking about it. But there's definitely a lot that I could have looked into and there was, and that's what I spent the next, when I came back to corporate life or working in London, that's what I spent all my spare time doing. Um, and so I feel like I've been in the digital nomad remote work mindset for a long time because mm -hmm. it took me a while to figure it out. Um, but there's definitely things that can be done or research that, and things that you can learn while you're still and working. How long ago was it that you kind of first started to, to head down this route? Um, so I was introduced to the idea in... 2016 that's when I left and took my six month break so that's like four years ago mm -hmm. um took the six months off and then I came back and worked for about a year a year and a half um in um like contracting in London to save mm -hmm. up the money and then left so I left about a year and a half two years ago so it's like it's been a like a four-year journey mm -hmm. um so it has taken me quite a bit of time um, to get to where I am now, which is working fully remote freelancing in few few different areas, not just one potential career. So it's been a long journey for me. I know some people have it quicker, but um, I think everybody's journey is different. It all, I think it very much depends on where you are at any particular time when you decide to do something different, right? because everyone is at a different place and you you may you may want a different destination you may want the same destination but either way if you're starting from wherever you're starting from and i think mm -hmm. if you do want to do something different it's wise not to try and judge what someone else has necessarily done and their time frame and and you against that because you could you could you could do it quicker you could do it slower and you don't want to end up beating yourself up over oh, someone else has done it faster than me. That's not the point. <laughs> to, yeah. To get to where you want to go and, and forget whatever, you know, the time frame everyone else has taken. Yeah, because I think the, the beauty of the way that the world is now is that there's so many different paths and options that everyone can take. And that it, I think it's a bit scary for a lot of people. It's scary mm -hmm. for me because there's no blueprint to follow. Like if you've ever read the book, hundred year life he talks about you know how our grandparents or great grandparents they went to um you know you go to school you go to university you get married you'd have kids you'd work in the same job until you were 60 and then you'd retire that was the blueprint of life and everyone followed it now 
the blueprint of life is there's there's not one that that one doesn't really work anymore because you're working to potentially 80 like mm -hmm. we don't know how long we're gonna have to work yet and you want to find a balance before that so a lot of people they're trying so many different career paths now and that's why there's some people not even going to university and just going straight into remote work or um you know traveling and working remotely to try and balance out um like work-life balance in your in the years where you can enjoy travel more um so there's just so many different paths and i think that is scary that is confusing but it's also um freeing in a way because i can't compare myself to other people because their journey is just going to be so different from mine and and i i'm also not precious about if i end up going back to corporate to save money or anything like that that's just that's just one of the ways that I can continue to work into this path and grow into this, into new, into an, into like a new way of life for me. So yeah, I think it's different for everyone. What was your first step? What did, what was the first thing you did as a freelancer, remote worker? Like the first job I did? Yeah. And how, where did you get your first, where did you get your first job? Where did you find, how did you get the the work in the first place? Uh, what was it? Where, where were you at the time? Did you, had you already got on a plane and gone somewhere nicer? No. So actually, um, so because I'd taken the career break and came back and I was working in corporate, I was also in all these Facebook groups and all these forums on remote work. And, um, I think it was through one of them. I actually can't remember how I got this particular job, but I ended up getting a job that was writing exam questions for the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. So because I'm a chartered ac accountant and I was looking for writing work because that's where I was trying to pivot into, mm -hmm. um, this opportunity came up. It was either through LinkedIn or Facebook. It was definitely, most of my jobs come through social media these days. Um, there's a, there's and, a point to note for anyone listening network Literally. is essential right <laughs> yeah so much like i a lot of my friends don't believe me when i say that i get a lot of work through facebook and linkedin but through groups that advertise jobs remote jobs mm -hmm. um just connecting with those people applying with those people and also in linkedin like it literally is a network and then now that i've grown into that space remote workers who know what i do will ask me to do their finances or or ask me to do a various a few different things but yeah the uh the first the first contract that i got was to write accountancy questions for aspiring um accountants coming mm -hmm. through and i thought it was great like it was really it was really good money um and i loved it like and it's like it's ad hoc work that i still do on and off but the problem was I was working a nine to five contracting job in London with all of that that in includes, which in includes like the commute and the social life of London. I was also doing a yoga teacher training at the time and trying to do this extra job, um, which had extreme deadlines. So it wasn't the most pleasant like um journey a into... <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's not what most people sign up for <laughs> i see the pictures of people working around the swimming pool not, not juggling two jobs yeah. and, and a yoga training but it just that's the way it happened for me as my first um contract and it was it was great because i was like wow i can actually earn money remotely and i haven't even started yet because mm -hmm. i hadn't for me, I didn't see it as starting yet because I hadn't taken the flight out of the country or I hadn't quit my corporate job in London for the second time. Um, but yeah, like that was my my first paid paid remote working contract where I never met anyone. But like like I didn't meet anyone in person. I didn't interview in person. Um, I just applied for the job online and they gave it to me and it worked really well and I really really enjoyed it as a job and that's why I was pivoting into the writing space for creative work but then I realized that there was this whole academic field and um, it's still open so that's still part of what I do these days because it's related to 
um, accountancy and finance and what I'm trained in. So yeah, that was is my it, first. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like you say, when you when you pick a particular area like writing, I think you automatically tend to think the creative route, whether it's writing blog articles for people or um, other online content or magazines and that kind of stuff. Mm. But actually, it is quite broad, isn't it? Everything, you think how much everything's written down somewhere. So <laughs> it's good to think about that when you, when if, if even for myself, I, I take that as a, as a point to think about because you can easily overly narrow your focus i think in a particular area and, and miss a whole load of opportunity that might otherwise come up yeah and it's um it's a good one to be aware of especially if you're you're trying to pivot into something new like mm -hmm. for me writing the easiest way to do that is to start through something you know which is finance for me because i'm trained in that and um yeah like it doesn't necessarily have to be just writing about finance it can be academic writing there's 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 so many different ways that you can pivot into different careers and that's just that's just one of them but yeah writing is what the thing is only remote workers or a lot of like digital nomads that i know when i say oh i'm a writer they will ask specifically like what kind of writing do you do mm -hmm. because there's because there's just so much you know there's copywriting content writing like academic writing and um yeah there's so many different strands so where was the first, where was your first foreign destination and what were you doing uh, in terms of work at that point? So um, my first foreign destination was actually not that foreign for me. Like it was, well, it was Tenerife in Spain, mm -hmm. which it's not what I'd imagined my first location was going to be because I went to Tenerife when I was 18, like on like one of those like... Um, young people holidays like um, for two weeks sitting on the beach and I had it in my head what Tenerife was going to be like but um it's an actually a magical island that has so much more to offer than just the um Playa de las Americas did, at the bottom yeah, how did you so how did you end up how did you end up going there as the first yeah. destination so um what happened was I well, I was still in contact with a lot of the nomads that I'd met in Bali and one of them had a friend that was opening a co-living space in Tenerife and she was looking for a yoga teacher and I had just qualified as a yoga teacher and I was looking to start this nomad journey. So she offered me like free accommodation in exchange for teaching yoga and I also got access to this whole remote working community that were staying there. So I ended up, I was supposed to be there for one month and I ended up staying for four because wow the skills that were in the room constantly mm -hmm. was just so valuable to me um, because they could, you know, they could help me build my website. They could yeah. give me ideas of um, ways to make money online. They could show me how to edit videos, show me how to shoot videos, take videos of me teaching yoga so I could put them on my social media. There was, there was just so many skills in that room um, and they were all amazing people that I'm still friends with now. So, and I got work, I ended up getting work through these people further down the line too. So it's all about network. <laughs> it is network, network, network. I think that's going to be a theme of the, of the conversation for sure. Yeah. And it's, it seems, you know, I, I'm fairly new to this whole world and, and haven't really dipped into it yet, but it's definitely something I'm looking to pursue more of, you know, it's the, one of the reasons for leaving the corporate world and, and not going back is because I don't want to be that, you know, on on the hamster wheel anymore. And yeah. if I can go around and move around and and um, work in various locations, it sounds great. And so the one thing I've definitely picked up so far already is very much the community aspect of all of of this and how interconnected everybody seems to be. There seems to be an enormous web of nomads. Uh, around the world they're all in on this secret that <laughs> the rest of, the rest of us haven't haven't been listening to or something <laughs> you know i think um i think once you're introduced to one like then you can like it's not the thing is it's it's not like an elitist gang or like you know no one thinks of it as a club that no one else can join mm -hmm. it's just that i think there's an element of um like 
maybe now people understand working from home and remote working can be as productive as um as working in an office but for a long long time people haven't really understood that and so the remote work community forms because everyone has this collective understanding that you can actually work and balance your life well by working remotely and so I think everyone just kind of collectively gets together with that mentality and because it's hard for people at home perhaps for me or um, people in the London lifestyle that I used to be in to understand really what I'm doing um, I spend a lot more time speaking to the people that work remotely just because they understand the lifestyle that I live I think it's a bit better now because a lot of my London friends are working from home so they know that they're like, wow, and I get it. <laughs> I could do <laughs> this say, from imagine doing, imagine doing this by a beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, yeah, I could do this. Like, even my mom works from home now, um, like, while I'm back in Scotland visiting her. And she doesn't want to go back to the office. No, like, no one wants to go not. back to the office. I know there's a lot of people in that boat. And I think I've even, I've even seen people with offices that aren't going to go back to the office. They're just mm-hmm. they're going to give the office up. They've realised that actually there may be a small company, <clears throat> and they don't need to be paying the the rent and the overhead. You know, with with all of the rates and everything involved, it's actually it's actually quite expensive. And you think probably only got the office to feel like we'd got somewhere, and you know we'd arrived. That you don't need to be doing that at all, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I. I worked in finance for the organization that we worked for. Yeah. Or um, how much uh, we spent on building. On building. <laughs> yeah. And, and other, other people that I worked for in London and I knew how much we spent on those properties and it just kind of blows my mind that we, anyone would do that when they could have people working from home. But then if that happens, if, if those offices decide to move, then there's a huge shift going to happen in terms of even people like placement around the UK and things like that. And in other countries, because then you can, you can literally work anywhere you can work. You can live on a farm and rural, like you, you don't have to be close to the city if you don't want to. Mm. And it completely changes the landscape of population distribution all over the world. Which is, a bloody good thing in my opinion because <laughs> cities are cities are just too crowded big gray oh, i don't know I, I, i'm not a big city I, I don't mind i don't mind visiting cities but i don't i lived in london for a while and and i was glad to get back get back out where it was more green mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, 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 that's just personal preference but there's also the pollution elements there's all of the other elements that go with economic migration into condensed spaces and if we can move out a bit further and and like you say live in a rural area but still achieve the same things then it's better for everyone concerned i think yeah like i for me i'm I'm a big sunshine type of person like i like to be where the sun is coming from from scotland (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it just doesn't no wonder you had to up and leave (laughs) Yeah. yeah like and you know, it's just made no sense for such a long time to live in the UK for me just because it doesn't really get sunny. And in the winter, I'm like the shell of my former self. Whereas my first my first nomad um, job when I was uh, working as a yoga teacher um, to pay for the accommodation while I figured it out was in Tenerife, where in summer or no, in our winter, it's still warm there. Like yeah. I would get up in the morning go and teach yoga on the roof like and I could see the Atlantic Ocean and it was just like it was like pinch me kind of moments Mm -hmm. like that that I was like okay yeah I really need to make this work so I can continue to be in the sunshine and be near the ocean when I can be and where did you head off after where did you go after that how 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 was that how was the whole I guess portfolio career you touched on it a bit earlier about yeah. doing different things how's that then evolved from that first job doing doing the yoga in Tenerife to where you are now so what I started off doing so I was doing I was teaching yoga in exchange for accommodation mm-hmm. to minimize my costs so that I could basically 
give myself a clearer runway to be able to figure out how to make money. Because at that point, I really was trying to stay away from finance and accounting because I thought uh, I thought it was the root of all evil as to why I was upset or not in my healthiest frame of mind when I lived in London. Um, so I tried to, that's when I started doing writing and proofreading. Um, so I took time to build my website and everything while I was teaching yoga in exchange for accommodation um, and focused on some writing and proofreading. Then my, I got another yoga in exchange for accommodation opportunity that came up for this really cool surf and yoga school in Morocco. Nice. So, I, <laughs> so I went there and they actually needed also help with their business. And because I had all that background, they loved me. So because I could do copywriting for their website, but I could also give them package and pricing advice for their finances. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. But I was still trying to stay away from finance. So I um, just kind of took it as an interesting learning and had a great time um, hanging out with them and learning how to surf and paddleboard and stuff in Morocco. Super cool. Um, and then from there, I... I did, a, so that, at that point I was kind of traveling slowly, but last summer then I needed to travel a bit faster and um, because I had like weddings and things in the UK that I needed to flow back and forth to. So I ended up spending a lot of time in Europe jumping around, which was not conducive. <laughs> so like not conducive to getting any work done, but it was great. So like I did some sailing and I was probably leaning, I was still doing some proofreading work and writing work and I was still trying to push into that um, space but it wasn't really flowing so well because I was moving around a lot I was probably concentrating more on enjoying myself than actually making any money um, and so I I didn't really get very far at that point <laughs> so last summer last summer it must be quite hard though to go cause i was going to ask you about this that most of us associate because we only ever go to these places generally on holiday to do nothing yeah when it it must be quite hard to switch into into from holiday to work and, and back and forth quite a lot yeah. because you're, you're you're i think you're you're so conditioned to wake up in the morning oh, it's holiday no 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 i've got to do some work today but yeah it's it's difficult but it's also like amazing at the same time like mm -hmm. on the same trip I was visiting a lot of friends and I'd been at my friend's wedding and after my friend's wedding I'd planned to go up to Paris this is my way of getting home to the UK without flying I was trying to fly less last summer so I was just going by land so my plan was I went from her wedding south of France to Paris and I visited a friend there and the flexibility of the way I was able to work is that I knew I had a lot of work to catch up on in Paris. So I went and sat in a cafe and did most of that. But then I was like, I'm in Paris. Like, <laughs> um, so I, uh, one day, like I'd been working and got stuff done. It was like, everything else wasn't really a priority or I could do it on the travel home, which was like the next day. So I packed up my laptop and took the Metro into the city center and just walked around the Louvre and went to see like Notre Dame and, you know, just wandered around Paris for a few hours. Cause I was like, I can, mm -hmm. like I, I have, I didn't, I, because of the freelance way I work with each and every job I do, especially at that point where it was still just evolving, I didn't have any particular meetings that day. So I could just flow and just go into Paris and then catch up on work on the train back to the UK. So because I, because I was doing proofreading writing where you didn't mm -hmm. need to be connected to the internet, like that's my, 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 my tip to anyone is consider whether you're, you need to be connected to the internet at all times for the job that you're doing, because there are, there are things that you can do like while you're traveling mm -hmm. that you benefit from the time that you're doing that. So my proofreading writing are perfect things for me to do while while I'm traveling, especially if it's a long train journey and things like that. So that's yeah, a, last summer. That's a very good right tip now. actually, because yeah, you could find yourself, you think, oh, I've got this, I'm going to go, you go off to some location and you've got no Wi-Fi access or something and you're not going to get anything done. And I bet that yeah. more often than people plan for, right? Yeah. So 
for example, like teaching online is one of the things that a lot of people do to get started um, because it's quite easy entry level. You can teach English to like Chinese kids. Um, and a lot of, especially Americans do that to start off with. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is you always need a really good internet connection. So you, there are some places that are cut off from you. Also, there's particular times of the day that you're busy. And when you're in like the States, for example, they end up working at like four in the morning, like mm -hmm. really, really early. It's okay if they're in Europe, but just with the time zones, it, it doesn't work so well. Um, one of my jobs at the moment, which I told you about before, is I teach yoga online now. The difference being is I can pick and choose when I teach. So it's if students turn up, that's fine. But I, I kind of book out when I teach. And if I'm going to travel, I just take my classes off the schedule. So I, again, it's a freelance type job so I can pick and choose when I'm going to teach so it's just it's being clear when you're thinking of a job that you're doing that you're who's setting the hours like are you setting the hours or is someone else going to set the hours because because of the time zone it would be the same if you get a remote job where you're working in the states um because there are a lot more like they call it like um telecommuting jobs um mm -hmm. that are advertised for Americans and um, they can often, they often will ask you though to be within five hours of Eastern Standard Time, like the East Coast of the States, which is fine if you just want to hang out in Central America, South America, mm -hmm. and Europe. But as soon as you go to Asia, you can't yeah, eat. It just, yeah, you're out. So you could get that job and it would make you, you could be a remote worker, you could be a digital nomad, but you cut off half the world because you can't actually go there until you take official holiday mm -hmm. so there are just these other things to consider when when you're thinking of the job you, that you might want to do i guess where you can is that the the, the opportunities to try and find like you said with the yoga where you dictate your own schedule as much as as possible or like or offline um work where there's no particular schedule but dead is working more deadline based i guess is a lot of what you do as well they say right I need, I need this done and I need it done by X and then it's up to you whether you effectively manage to do that in five minutes or spread it over however long it you've got to yeah. do it right? yeah so with with because a lot of my work is freelance client based so I do proofreading writing and I now do finance client based work too it's all based on my time schedule and what mm -hmm. works so there will be they'll give me things but the proofreading clients and the writing clients, they need to give me it a few days in advance for me to be able to um, work that into my schedule. Also, the other, like the other thing I do, which is quite difficult when you've got like five different jobs or eight different clients is if I am taking a week off or like, for example, I was in India trying to do a yoga teacher training. I was very, I had to communicate to everyone before I, I went like, I will not be available for work during this time. Like you won't hear from me during this time. And I think that that's another thing that I forgot to do at one point oh, when really? I went to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, or especially when I was starting out, like I sailed down the coast of um, Portugal last summer and I was still starting out my working life. Mm -hmm. So I was still, I didn't want to tell people that I was taking time off because I, I guess I felt like I was always on a time off. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't say anything. And then I, would, I was sailing and I'd get uh, an email to my phone where they needed something proofread in the next sort of um, three days. And I was like, okay, I, I'll, and I just figured out where I was going to be and when I could do it. And it worked out fine. But um, yeah, it's always good to give people a heads up that you're not actually going to be online. And it's, completely reasonable to do as well because how, how even, even though you're a remote worker how do you yeah, sorry? sorry how do you manage juggling multiple clients effectively how because it's sometimes it's hard enough when you've got one job so how <laughs> how do you how do you manage what what tools do you use to manage a your 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 time so that you don't double book yourself um yeah. but also then so that you allow enough time to get different projects complete yeah 
so um tools that i use so i like i'm basically on google calendar um 90 of my day and um, but i have them all linked together so i have like five different email addresses for different work that i do and each of them are all linked to my primary google calendar so i see when i have availability um also for my finance clients they can book in time using calendly I know there's various different tools available, but that's the one that I'm using at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it looks at all the calendars to make sure I have availability. So if, if that, uh, but they on, it only books in from Monday to Friday, it wouldn't book in anything on the weekend because that's how I set it up and only at specific times. If I know there's a day that I don't want to do anything, for example, if I'm traveling to Portugal, then I will block out that day from either Calendly or just block it out on my calendar so that no one can book in um, anything for that particular day. So that's one. And then um, I use Trello a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Again, there's loads of project management apps out there like Asana, but Trello, Trello I've been living vicariously on for about two years. I use it not just for client-based work, some of my clients are on there and um, I, I use it not just for that but for planning my life like until the lockdown I was planning okay maybe these are the places I'm going to go for the rest of the year I'd have like the whole um year mapped out with vague ideas about where I might go and thing and goals I want to achieve for the year <laughs> things mm -hmm. like that everything's on Trello um <laughs> I I've, I'm a recent convert to Trello as well yeah. and uh, just getting my head around the whole thing but it's pretty pretty useful pretty straightforward and you can share the good thing is you can share your boards with other people so that yeah you're planning i guess for for a lot of people within the, the network or the, the community of nomads who might want to then meet coordinate to meet up at various times you can everyone can share their their plans within that that format i guess yeah exactly i mean a lot of the organizations that I work for that are fully remote, um, Trello is like the backbone of what they do. Um, the other one is Slack. So um, a lot of the communication is on Slack for these organizations. Um, but I, I don't use that as my personal time management. That's just a communication tool that I would use with the organizations that I work for. Some of the clients, if they're slightly larger organizations, if I'm doing like there is one client I do 20 hours a month with for finance. That's when I'm like in their communications and in their whole system, which is mm -hmm. why I would be on their Slack channel. But yeah, Trello saved my life. What other tools? Um, so what did I speak about? Trello, Calendly, Google, Calend Google Calendar. Um, I think that's most of what mm -hmm. I use. Do you, are you do you use other platforms like um, Upwork and anything else like that for for finding opportunities? I haven't. Like I've, I almost did from a writing point of view, mm. um, but I find Upwork is really saturated for a lot of different jobs. So, um, like. When I, when I did try at one point, it was too hard to actually get the profile approved and I just left it um, because a lot of the jobs I get is genuinely through LinkedIn or Facebook. So I decided to primarily, um, basically uh, SEO my LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. so that it was optimized for the people that wanted to see it and then start using that to connect with people that are in the or that are my kind of key clients because um, I think LinkedIn out of all the social medias is the most underutilized and mm -hmm. um, but I think it's definitely growing or starting to be the area that very smart people are working in to get clients to get connections and basically um, make their business work so LinkedIn and Facebook bizarrely is where mm -hmm. I get a lot of my a lot of my jobs and i haven't needed to yet um kind of jump into upwork or freelancer or fiverr um but i think i think there's a case for a lot of them but um a lot of them have also been overutilized and it's hard to really 
make a name for yourself in any of them now. So it's almost worth, if you can, making a name for yourself just on your own, through your own LinkedIn, your own website, your own um, sort of platform. But yeah. I've even I've found you know, tr- my own experience trying to use Fiverr even as someone looking for to outsource yeah. stuff. It's next to impossible. There's so there are so many people on there now. It take you a day to even get close to filtering down into who do I who who do I want chance working with? Yeah, uh, it's it's it, there it is incredibly saturated now. But it's it's hard, isn't it? You got to try and build yeah. that network of, of people that you know can either you can either do things for them or they can do things for you it's uh it's not easy like it's so for example i'm so i'm now positioning myself as a virtual cfo for some of the organizations that i work for and i need some finance help from people that do more transactional work than i do and i didn't know where to start when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, should I just go to Upwork, Fiverr, find other people with finance skills? But I'm not a fan of those sites from because I don't really know who these people are. I know a lot of people that have found some credible people on those platforms, and I know that they exist, but it's just a long-winded process for me. Um, but there's Facebook groups that I'm part of. Um, like So Digital Nomad Girls, it's a female only, sorry, Dave. Um, but like too many of these popping up. <laughs> I know. Um, the, like it's a really great community for a start, but also um, there's that's where I've got a lot of job opportunities that have come up, and I think that's where I got my first finance job too, because it came up on there, and um, so I just made a post and found a bunch of girls that work in the finance industry. Um, at a virtual level and now I've just started connect like it's a much more manual way of doing it and it involves actually taking time to get to know people and find out what their skill sets and basically doing mini interviews with people but um, for me it's much more rewarding and I'm a very chatty person on zoom calls so I don't mind and so I've done a lot of that to try and build my virtual finance network now that I'm like fully walking into that space um, instead of actually going down the route of freelancer, Upwork, etc., because I find that I like to work with people where I gel with their personality, and I think that's easier to figure out via a video call than it is mm. an online resume. What you mentioned SEO in your LinkedIn profile. What are, what are some of the things that you've done to that to make it um, more friendly for for anyone? to find, ultimately find you and, and for it to work for you? So I've been to a few different LinkedIn sort of seminars and things. Mm-hmm. I love LinkedIn. Um, but from an SEO standpoint, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought about what I want to offer my clients and what they would be searching for um, and then put it in. So I, 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 I mainly offer my services now to sort of social enterprises or social impact organizations. They don't necessarily have to be not-for-profit, but they have intention behind their businesses. So I worked with a coach on this, but we came up with the tagline, um, Virtual CFO for Intentional Enterprises. And it's worked really well. Um, And then a lot of, so if you have a really good tagline that clearly defines what you do, is step one and then the rest is in the in your big what's it called that like your big description mm-hmm. make sure you repeat all of the keywords in there the people that you look, are looking to work with and the services that you offer so that will all come up and then in each and every one of your job descriptions tailor it so that it's purposing to what you do now so mm-hmm. I, I did this this is like when I, when I started in the proofreading writing um, industry, or when I started off, I actually did this myself when I first started out as a nomad. And that's how I got a few of my proofreading clients because they approached me through LinkedIn and said, oh, I see that you've got a finance background, but you do proofreading. And all I'd done was change my tagline and my current job and the description 
of what I did. Um, and I didn't really know anything about SEO at that point, but people approached me anyway. And now I've changed everything. So it's, uh, it's more just specifying what I do from a, what finance services I offer. So your key point is the tagline, have a really good photo and put all your keywords in your description and tailor each and every, much like you tailor a CV for every different job that you apply for. I know a lot of people don't, but it's actually a wonderful way of getting a job. Um, do that for your, like, think about who you're trying to offer services to and then add, add all the relevant information in your LinkedIn um, jobs that you did previously, like say acted as a virtual CFO for, like that is a phrase that you can put in mm -hmm. that repeats what I did or act as a remote CFO, like use other, other keywords that are similar to the ones that you're targeting. So mm -hmm. mine is virtual CFO, but a lot of people use remote CFO or finance coach, like other things like that. And, um, just put, put it in the, in the, in your LinkedIn description and it will help generate results. So you appear in more searches. That makes sense. Yeah. And so you, you're using that platform to primarily target the, the finance side of things. And then, At the moment, yeah. Yeah. And then how do you, is it mostly through, as you said before, through other groups and through personal contacts that you're finding the, the, other, the other work, the reading, the writing, uh, the yoga stuff? Yeah, so the yoga, the yoga work is through an American company um, that have started a platform for online teachers. Um, so it's a startup young organization. So I'm fully listed with them now mm -hmm. and I'm exclusive with them um, in the fact that I wouldn't be teaching live one-on-one -on -one classes or group classes on any other platform. Um, so they're still getting started, but I think that they'll be really good. So the, the yoga thing is almost delegated to them because um, they do the marketing and they do the technology behind it. And I just give them a percentage of what I earn in any one class. And so that's really good for me because it means I don't have to work on the business or finding students and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So that's taken care of. Like the Airbnb for, for <laughs> yeah. live yoga, right? It's a similar kind of concept. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, they were probably one of the first, but there's a lot there's a lot emerging now because, mm -hmm. um, because during lockdown, everyone's been um, doing yoga at home. There's a lot of yoga teachers that weren't on any of these platforms. So there's a lot of, I get a lot of Instagram messages asking me if I want to join other platforms mm -hmm. and stuff, um, which I can't. Um, so yeah, so the, there's, there's that that's kind of taken care of. And I don't really spend a lot of time now looking for, yoga jobs because that bit is done by someone else mm -hmm. so it's delegated at a fee and then the writing and proofreading work comes to clients i already have a connection with um from the work that i did previously and i'm just not tapping further into that area um because i'm concentrating my efforts on the finance side at the moment and generating more clients there and that so that comes through my LinkedIn, but I've also now got like a MailChimp landing page that has my offer. I have like, I also have a website for my yoga class and a website for my writing as well. Mm -hmm. So there, there, there's like a few different forms that people can find me. Um, but that's the, the, my main aim or my main target from a LinkedIn perspective at the moment is the finance side of things, but it includes writing and proofreading in the finance field too. So it kind of covers all bases, which is, it's difficult to do. If you're trying, yeah. if you're trying, in LinkedIn, it's, it's very difficult. Not, not exactly related fields, are they? Uh, no, but. <laughs> so it's kind of, but, yeah. that's why I asked that question was really, you know, if you're doing lots of different writing, then obviously you could use that platform and you could find lots of different writing style jobs, but you know, CFO to yoga teacher, there's quite a lot in between those two roles. No, there is, but, but. See, this, well, the thing is, this is what I worked with my coach on is because I'm, I'm aiming it towards like social impact organizations and intentional, like 
I can write about like I've basically found my niche but also mm -hmm. just being able to explain everything that I do by um by explaining in my description be like I'm an intentional person like I mm -hmm. teach yoga and I do all these other things I also fully work remotely I have been doing so for two years so the virtual thing is explained so I've kind of tried to bring everything that I do into into what is talked about on my LinkedIn. So, and it does include the academic writing and writing and proofreading that I've done as well, because it's all been in the finance space. So it's just, it's a way of tailoring what you've done to mm -hmm. what is relevant for the position. So it's not like I've discounted everything that I've been doing for the last year and a half and excluded that from my LinkedIn. It's finding ways that you can talk about that and shout about that as great tools for what works for now so for example building my own websites and things like that those are all things that will help entrepreneurs realize that i know the language that they're talking about i i know what it's like to try and learn all of these skills all at one time um so i can help them with their finances because i know where they're coming from so that's kind of the way i've tried to angle it and it can be done for anything but a coach my coach very much helped me with that wise it's worth worthwhile getting spending the time with a with an actual coach to get that guidance because you could spend a lot of time stabbing around in the dark right yeah for sure and again i'll, I'll tie this back to networking community is this coach i met in Fidel carmen in mexico while i was working there remotely as a friend i'm now working for her at like we did a work exchange where um, she coached me through some stuff and I'm now doing some finance projections for a project that she's working on. So again, coming back to networking community, oh, it yeah. seems really old school, like, but, um, in the remote working world, in the digital nomad space, um, the more people, you know, in that space, the more likely they are to hire you and work with you because they've met you, they know you. And if you're, they think that you're good at what you do because I think there's this, well, for me, it's a personal opinion sometimes that the, some of the people that are really, really good at what they do and risk takers are in the remote working digital nomad space because they didn't want to settle for a job that someone else was dictating to them. Now it's not hundred percent true. Uh, I don't think that you can make that stereotype but I do meet a lot of people that are genuinely great at what they do because they've had to work really hard to, to mm. make it happen. And um, there's a whole bunch of um, moxie that goes into becoming uh, sort of chasing this different path that um, this is why I end up working with these people and recommending these people and um, networking with these people because a lot of them are just really impressive with what they've managed to achieve and how they've gotten there. Yeah, I think you, you pick up. Obviously, there's a lot of skills go into. You're now you're you become responsible for everything when once you've set mm -hmm. out on your own, haven't you? Because, like you say, you've got everyone's juggling their own. You're doing you're freelance, so you've got all of your finances to juggle. You've got to find the work. You got everything now. It's far it's far more involved than having a job, where you've only yeah. ultimately got to turn up, do what you're supposed to do, and then then leave. And I think that in itself. A finds a particular kind of person, but also, I think if you go down that route, then you there's more reward, right? The, ultimately, you your everything you put in is what you get out, and I think that's how humans are more designed in the first place. Actually, we chase that kind of fulfillment, and we don't get that in the in the normal job. So you find even someone that maybe wasn't as engaged in the job that come and do something like this that they would then step up for themselves because suddenly they're getting the feedback loop is much more pronounced i think in a big yeah. corporate you don't always get the feedback so where's next now you've been locked up for like a caged animal the, the nomad that's not nomadic for the last however many months where where's um, next and when do you know yet i'm flying to portugal on saturday nice portugal, <laughs> seems, to be, portugal seems to be another hub like I was watching the Freedom of Work um, webinars over the over this week, and so many people are either Portuguese 
or from Portugal or in Portugal? No, I mean, Why? The, guy, the, <laughs> the, the guy that runs, just so you know, uh, Gonzalo that runs Freedom yeah. of Work, he is Portuguese. So yeah. his network is a lot Portuguese and he ran this, uh, he did this exact same event in Portuguese and now he's doing it in English, but with a lot of different speakers included, yeah. obviously. And um, so that's part of the reason. But also Lisbon, Lisbon is a huge hub for digital nomads. Um, I don't know why, because I, I didn't actually make it to Lisbon last time I was in Portugal. Um, but I think just because it's, um, it's like Portugal is a great place. It's generally cheap um, in terms of like your cost of living, although the rents in Lisbon were previously very, very high. Obviously, with the way the world is, I might have gotten a good deal on um, what the rents are now. But um, Portugal is just a beautiful, beautiful country. And I know there's a lot of British people that love Portugal to go and travel to, especially the Algarve. Um, but the Portuguese people are just amazing. Um, and I think it's something to do with that. It's, a, it's close to the sea. It's um, got a very chilled, laid back way of life. So but I'm not sure why. I think Liz, like, there's just pockets around the world where nomads seem to go to. And when there's remote workers, nomads there, I mean, that's why I'm going. I'm going because there's probably community and mm -hmm. I travel for community. That's why I stay in places for long periods of time um, because that's what makes or breaks it for me. Like traveling just on my own for long periods of time is not really what I set out to do. So it's, it, I need to be in a place that has community as well as. And what kind of like, places do you stay in? So when you go to Portugal, what kind of places do you stay in? Are they shared accommodation places or do you just get an Airbnb for yourself or what kind of thing yeah. do you do? So I've done co-livings before, like in Tenerife. Um, and I recommend those because everyone's in the same kind of um, <laughs> mindset. But generally, if it's cheap enough or if it makes sense, I'll get like an apartment, like in Mexico, I got an apartment on my own because you can get a longer term let um, if you stay for a few months. But otherwise, Airbnb works generally quite well for me. I'm past hostels and mm -hmm. living, <laughs> living like out of a backpack. <laughs> sharing sharing so, bedrooms and locking all of your stuff up all the time, which doesn't, yeah. make, doesn't work either. But yeah. yeah. And with, I guess with the, the new normal and the way things are, I, there are opportunities to always, like, if you tap into the Facebook groups of the expats and nomads of that area before you go, you can usually find a, a flat share or something that you get mm -hmm. a good price. Um, but because of the way things are, I wanted to get something on my own because you don't know who you're sharing with and like COVID is still in existence. So I wanted to be, I spend a bit more and be um, cautious rather than about the yeah. way that things are now that makes sense yeah. so before we wrap up here it'd probably mm -hmm. be good to any any advice um top tips for anybody who's considering i.e me too <laughs> <laughs> um uh before jumping in kind of things that you've you either did because you learned from someone else or things that you've learned over the last couple of years that you would impart on on someone else um so consider always like i mean it's silly but consider why you want it um before you accept any jobs or um set yourself up for looking at jobs in particular areas because if you want to travel to really remote places like i said you'll need to um you'll need a job that's way more flexible than some of the remote jobs that are out there. So consider your why from that perspective. And also just forget about what everyone else is doing um, and not necessarily compare your travel journey or your remote working journey to anybody else because it all looks completely different. Um, there are so many different ways. Like one of the best learnings I've had is when I was, I revisiting the co-living space in Tenerife, one of my friends gave a presentation on the types of nomads and remote workers there are in the world. And I didn't think I was going to fit into any of the categories, but I directly did. And 
there's there's so many different categories of this there's people that like to travel with just a backpack uh, various different um, places all the same time i'm more of a slow traveler so i like to be in places for three or four months so bear in mind that it's going to take you probably at least six months to figure out what type of traveler you want to be if you want to remote work and travel at the same time and it might take you time to earn some money so i i always recommend either figuring out a way to earn money remotely before you leave or saving up some money to give you the runway in order to do it because nine times out of ten you're going to figure it out if you're in the situation where you just don't have any money mm-hmm. um i'm more risk averse than that so it really depends on your risk uh, factor but i'm way more risk averse than that and from the finance background i say don't do it and <laughs> um, like figure out some remote income before you go or take some time uh, or give yourself the savings to allow you to do that also look into cheap ways to travel to begin with like i did i worked in exchange for accommodation it does restrict you um in terms of where you're traveling to and it might not be what you want to do but it's also a very smart way to keep your costs down there's uh websites like workaway and world packers are two um that will offer those kind of things and some of them are great like there was people working in the co-living alongside me when I started and all they had to do was take care of the dog and do some cleaning and some cooking and then they worked outside of that and they got free accommodation so it was a great way to keep costs down for a few months in a really awesome place Mm -hmm. so it's sometimes worth doing even and they they legit already earn like a really decent amount of money um on their blog and stuff and they're legit remote workers but Mm -hmm. You know, it was a way to save costs. So it's not there's everyone at every different angle is um, trying to minimize their costs and times while traveling. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, you mentioned Facebook groups? Any you'd recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one called I think it's called like Digital Nomad Jobs that sometimes um, has a lot of um, work and stuff that comes through there. But the personal ones that I um, that I use a lot are the digital nomad girls community and female digital nomads um, because like I'm a girl so I can I can benefit from those um, <laughs> I, I, I won't be knocking on the door of those ones no. um, <laughs> but it's also like what I will say is you'll be able to see so if you're going to a particular area so for example I'm going to Lisbon I just searched Lisbon nomads and I found a couple of the groups that have the most people in them mm-hmm. and they are generally the most useful groups um, and also now that I've for me it's easier because I'm in that sort of zone of I've got a network in remote working so I can see that I've got like 20 friends already in that group because they've been to Lisbon before and they've been in that group so you'll recognize the ones that are the most useful and um, I will be able to tell you any of them that you need for like if you're going to Clyde Carmen, go to the Mexpats group in Clyde Carmen. It's better than the digital nomads ones. And if you're going to Lisbon, I think it's the Lisbon nomads group. Um, also, as I work for Nomads Giving Back, you can work, uh, you can join the, the Nomads Giving Back Global Tribe. And um, they also have like loads of contacts and stuff for if you want to help give back and work with locals while you're traveling and actually be socially responsible while doing it. And that's another good one to join because we're always talking about that kind of thing. Nice. And you mentioned you had a couple of websites and obviously your LinkedIn, where can people uh, track you down Mm -hmm. if they want to get in contact, um, learn more? Yeah. So the easiest way is to probably find me on LinkedIn, um, which is just, I think the link is just Karen Stephen dash CA. Um, but if also find me on um, like Instagram and stuff because my websites are still forming. But well, you can, yeah, yeah. Ren Stefani, um, W R E N underscore S T E P H A N I is my personal one. And that links to all of my other 
activities, basically. So it links you to my yoga and also links you to my other website. I'll make sure we got the, the links to everything once we, once we put this out anyway. Yeah, so cool. Track you down. Karen, it's been awesome to catch up and uh, I will see you somewhere <laughs> in the world. Maybe, maybe Portugal. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly Portugal. Um, somewhere in the world in the not too distant future. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, you're welcome. Cheers.